Good morning, and good morning to those of us joining online. It is lovely to see you on what is a really beautiful Sunday morning out there. The reading today is taken from Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 24. Then the Lord's angel came to the village of Ophrah and sat under the oak tree that belonged to Joash, a man of the clan of Abazir. His son Gideon was threshing some wheat secretly in a wine press so that the Midianites would not see him. The Lord's angel appeared to him there and said, The Lord is with you, brave and mighty man. Gideon said to him, If I... I may ask, sir, why has all this happened to us if the Lord is with us? What about all the wonderful things that our fathers told us the Lord used to do? How has he, how he brought them out of Egypt? The Lord has abandoned us and left us to the mercy of the Midianites. Then the Lord ordered him, go with all your strength and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I myself am sending you. Gideon replied, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least important member of my family. The Lord answered, You can do it because I will help you. You will crush the Midianites as easily as if they were only one man. Gideon replied, If you are pleased with me, Lord, give me some proof that you really are the Lord. Please do not leave until I bring you an offering of food. He said, I will stay until you come back. So Gideon went into his house and cooked a young goat and used 10 kilograms of flour to make bread without any yeast. He put the meat into a basket and the broth in a pot, brought them to the Lord's angel under the oak tree and gave, him to, gave them to him. The angel ordered him, put the meat and the bread on this rock and poured the broth over them. Gideon did so. Then the Lord's angel reached out and touched the meat and the bread with the end of the stick he was holding. Fire came out of the meat, out of the rock, and burnt up the meat and the bread. Then the angel disappeared. Gideon re then realized that it was the Lord's angel he had seen, and he said in terror, Sovereign Lord, I have seen your angel face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, don't be afraid, you'll not die. Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it, The Lord is Peace. It is still standing at Ophra, which belongs to the clan of Abazir. This is the word of the Lord. So this is our fourth week thinking about men of faith and looking at the legacy of faith that different men in the Bible leave in our lives. And I'm going to do a really quick, hopefully one minute recap. So three weeks ago we looked at Noah. We thought about the faithfulness of Noah how he obeys God and sticks with God and is obedient to God for 120 years building the ark and then through the flood and afterwards. And then we looked at Joseph. We looked at Joseph's perseverance in the ups and downs of life. That he, was, he, was, um, he kept his life pure even when it was really tough, that even when he was imprisoned and falsely imprisoned, he still followed God, that he didn't pursue revenge against his brothers. And last week we were looking at Moses and Moses' courage. So we were looking at the courage of Moses in terms of leading the people out of, out of Egypt, 
but also the courage of Moses to stand up before God and say, well, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. And so today we come to Gideon. And I just want to set the scene before we pray and really dig into this story. So this is quite a long time later. The Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They've settled in their new land. And it was a land that was promised, a land that was said to be flowing with milk and honey. And for a time, it does seem to do that. They have the leadership of Joshua. And then it doesn't seem to be a land so much flowing with milk and honey as again and again and again. Different nations come and oppress them and enslave them and plunder them and fight against them. And so it's in one of those cycles that we find Gideon. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us today. Lord, I pray that even as I speak, that you would be speaking what you need your people to hear. And that, Lord, you would open our hearts and our lives to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there have been other judges before we get to Gideon. Gideon is about the halfway judge in the book of Judges. We've had Othniel and Ehud, which of, who, of course, you've heard of. Actually, almost nobody's heard of them. They're judges who were warrior judges. They went and they fought people, and they carried swords and shields around with them on a regular basis. And then we have Deborah, who judges Israel wisely, who hears God's word. But the Israelites have again forgotten who God is. They've again fallen back into the ways of not worshipping God only, of worshipping other gods, of trying out other options for who might save them and who might help them. And so we find Gideon, who's doing an impossible thing in an impossible place. It says he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, we don't grow a lot of wine in this country, and we definitely don't grow wine in ancient Israel. So we might be thinking, well, that's a strange place to be doing that, but, well, it's an impossible place to do it. In order to thresh wheat, you throw it high up into the air, let the wind catch it, and so the wheat falls back down, and the outer bits of the wheat get blown away by the wind. But a wine press in ancient Israel was dug into the earth, was a pit that you poured your, put your grapes in, and then you got your shoes off and hoiked up your, your shorts, and you got in there and you, tr you trod the juice out of the grapes. Well, there's no wind that blows over a wine press. So Gideon is doing an impossible thing in an impossible place, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 12. And Gideon's objection to this is that what God has said is an impossible word. 
And, you know, the angel is really gracious because the angel does not point out to Gideon that he's doing an impossible thing in an impossible place. And it's a bit rich to not believe God's impossible works. So today we're going to look at Gideon's two main objections and we're going to look at God's response. So his first objection is that Gideon is a skeptic. In the, in the New International Version, in the NIV, it says, pardon me. He says, pardon me twice. But he's, it's not a like, I've done something wrong. It's a, excuse me? What are you on about? And his first piece of skepticism is, I have heard the stories. I've heard the crossing of the Red Sea. I've heard the Egypt thing. I've heard the Joseph thing. I've heard the Moses thing. But where's God now? Why isn't he saving us now? Do you know, interestingly, Gideon remains skeptical. The following chapter, God tells him to do something, and Gideon's like, God, I'm, I'm not sure. So can, I, can you give me a sign? If I put this, this fleece on the ground, can it be wet and the ground be dry? And then that happens, and Gideon's like, I'm still not quite sure. Can we flip that over? Can the fleece be dry and the ground be wet? And God is gracious. God is gracious with Gideon's skepticism. And you know, God is gracious with ours. He is deeply gracious at the points that we're like, God, I, I can't. And he's deeply gracious at the points where we're like, ah, uh, where are you? Because I've heard the stories. But where are you now? See, Gideon is busy limiting God's future according to Gideon's own past. But God is not a God who can be limited. I wonder if there's anyone sitting here today and I know I was earlier this week when I was looking at this, slightly squirming, because I'm slightly skeptical. I'm particularly skeptical about the whole leading a church thing and going into ministry. But God is being gracious with me. And on my journey, step by step, he is giving me little signs, little confirmations, enough for me to take the next step. Gideon's second objection, in verse 15, he says, we're the weakest and I'm the least. Now, this isn't entirely true because if you read on in chapter 6, you find out that Gideon has 10 servants that he can ask to do something for him. That he has the ability to call up men from his tribe from other tribes, that he has a dad who'll protect him. But I wonder if sometimes we put those words on ourselves. We're like, but I'm only. But I've never. But I'm not sure that I would be able to. Again, 
I know I do this. And like God couldn't possibly be asking that of me. God couldn't possibly be called because I'm only, I'm only a woman. I'm only a mother. I'm only a pensioner. I'm only a child. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough finance. And God is really gracious with that as well. And God has specific answers for both Gideon's skepticism and for Gideon's sort of insecurity in who he is. So in terms of the insecurity, God says, but I will be with you. (coughs) See, the thing is, it isn't God's power and it isn't God's might that is the key to Gideon's transformation. As it was with Noah in the ark and with Joseph in a jail and with Moses as he leads the people through the desert, the key to transformation is God's presence. The basis of Gideon's new identity is the power and word of Yahweh. Change for Gideon doesn't begin with a change of his circumstances. It begins with the revelation that those circumstances can change. It begins with him understanding that something else is possible. That something else could happen. And that he might be part of what God has planned for his people. Kenneth Way, one commentator, writes, when we are in distress, we get him. He brings power with him, but his presence, God's presence, is also a solution in and of itself. So at the point where Gideon says, but I am powerless, I am the least, God says, I will be with you. And it's always worth us thinking about and remembering and contemplating who the I is. He is the author of creation. We sang that five minutes ago. He is the one whose word happens and the world becomes. And ultimately for us, he is the one who becomes himself one of us. In some ways, what God says to Gideon, I will be with you, is ultimately fulfilled in the incarnation of Jesus. And in John 1, he puts it beautifully. He says, and the word became flesh and and took up residence as one version puts it, took up residence among us. That God chooses to be with us in such a way that he has flesh and bones, that his heart breaks, that his hands bleed. And ultimately, for all of us, 
that, that is the answer to our weakness and to our frailty and to our brokenness, is that God became one of us. And to Gideon's skepticism, in verse 23, God says, peace. The Hebrew word for peace, shalom, is a word that means peace, wholeness, wellness, flourishing. It encompasses all of that sort of life to the fullness that Jesus talks about. It's not the Gideon saying, I feel a peace about this, because he didn't. He was terrified. He's like, I've seen God face to face. We are in trouble. And God's response is peace. So it's not peace because Gideon's feeling good inside. It's peace in the midst of a, of a situation that's still terrifying, that's still oppressive. The Midianites haven't gone anywhere yet at this point. And God says, peace. To Gideon's inadequacy, God gives presence. And to his uncertainty, he gives peace. But the story doesn't end there. In the very last verse, in verse 24, it says, and Gideon built an altar. And he calls the altar, God is peace. The Lord is peace. The Lord is wellness. The Lord is flourishing. The Lord is wholeness. And actually, the altar that he built was already there. It's the altar that he puts food on for the angel of the Lord. So Gideon had intended it as a meal table, and it becomes an altar. It's a very ordinary thing that becomes this thing that is touched by the presence and power and word of God. And it's a response of faith by Gideon. Because do you know what? The circumstances around him haven't changed. The Midianites are still trying to steal his corn. They're still oppressing all of his fellow, fellow Israelites. The difference is that Gideon is going, but God is with me. And he has given me peace. I wonder if you have ever built an altar. Probably not a physical one out of rocks and stone. But the building of altars in the Old Testament was a marker of a significant moment. It was a point of setting something up to say, God met me here. This happened. And this isn't the first altar that's built they build them a lot in the Old Testament. And I wonder for us if a modern equivalent might be something like a diary entry or a prayer journal entry for a significant thing that happened. Or it might be a piece of jewelry to mark a significant moment when God spoke to you. For some of us, it might be that there is an underlined verse in our Bibles. Or that we've gone to find a bookmark with that verse on to remind us again and again of a point where God spoke to us. All of those, all of those are responses of faith. 
Because as one mystic put it, God is always speaking. The problem is not with God's words. The problem is with, is with our ears listening. And Gideon's response says, in spite of my circumstances, in spite of what's going on around me, I am going to believe that God will be with me and that he has given me peace. His legacy of faith is the response of faith in an impossible circumstance that God's word is stronger and truer and mightier and more sure than everything his senses are telling him. And maybe for us, one of our responses to the story this week is to think back. And maybe for some of us, we need to choose to trust that God is with us, that he has given us his peace in the midst of our skepticism and uncertainty and our feelings of inadequacy. And maybe for some of us, it is time to build an altar. It is time to write something in a prayer journal. It is time to get out a piece of paper and write a Bible verse. It is time to go and mark a point and a place and a way that God has spoken to you as a thing to hold on to on the days where it doesn't feel like God's presence is there and it doesn't feel like there's peace. But to remember that God has spoken and his word is mightier and stronger and truer and surer than the storm that might rage. And so may we, like Gideon, be people who hear an impossible call and choose to believe it, even in an impossible place. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your servant Gideon. Thank you for his honesty, his vulnerability. Thank you that you meet that with grace. Lord, I pray for us as we choose to listen to you that you would meet us with that same grace and that our response would be the response of faith, the response that says, I will believe your word, God, because it is truer and surer and mightier than all that is around me. Amen. Let's pray as we finish. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, now and through all generations. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.